0: Welcome, Nanolog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm uh, Matt. Hey, Matt, you want to play this new game I got? Uh, I don't know. It looks dangerous. No, 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 no. The title of it is Nothing Bad Will Happen to You.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's so, open it up.
0: Yeah, let's open it up. Let's see. We got the nice game pieces. Uh, looks like uh, I'll go first. Okay. Let's go here. Yep, here we go. I'm sure nothing bad will ever happen to me. It's just a game. Oh, wow. The piece is moving on its own. What the hell is happening? Oh, my God! Oh, God! Do I have to do this alone now? Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. This week on Analog Jones, we're breaking down the VHS of Jumanji 1995. Ooh. Yes.
1: Starring Robin Williams.
0: It was released December 15th, 1995. What were you doing then? What was a little man? December
1: 15th. I had just turned 6 a week before. I had just turned 6 years old and I was not seeing Jumanji.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I did either. I think I was thir- Yeah, I was 13 at the time. I don't know if I was quite old enough to, like, just go to the theater by myself. I might have been.
1: I didn't see this movie. This was not... By the time I was six years old, I think I was finding my taste, sort of, and this really wasn't in it. I liked more fantasy, like, more, like, this is obviously fantasy, but I liked, like, creatures and things like that, you know. In 96, 95, 96, this was probably when I was starting to get into Star Wars and stuff
0: oh yeah definitely it's right before like the special editions came out or maybe around the exact same time this was definitely something that my brothers and i would rent i believe this is probably one of these new releases that we immediately grabbed
1: that that is how i saw it so i didn't see it in theaters but yes as soon as this came on video i did rent it because i had remembered seeing the trailers Mm -hmm. and things like that and it was something i wanted to see and as a as a kid I liked it. I did, but it wasn't one that like I watched over and over and over again. It was sort of like maybe like I rented it and then I watched it a few times until we took it back or something like that, but then it wasn't one that like I went out and bought or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I don't believe we ever owned this. This was just strictly a rental that we probably did a couple times. Now, when I was looking this up, the director of this has a special place in my heart. This is yeah, Joe one of Your
1: favorite movies ever.
0: So and in his career, he's had an up and down career. He's had mega highs and some lows. Uh, he directed his first directed film was Honey I Shrunk the Kids from 1989. And I loved that as a kid. Constantly watched that on the Disney Channel. I
1: was I was I liked that movie a lot, but I was more into Honey I Blew Up the Kid.
0: Then his second film is where it really hits me in the feeler, Rocketeer, 1991, starring Billy Campbell.
1: I, you know, I haven't seen that movie in like twenty years. Also, you're dead to me. I would no. I would love to go back and watch it. Let's find a tape of it.
0: Hmm. I wonder where that could be. <laughs> Considering I'm literally looking at the Rocketeer helmet as we speak and do this podcast. <laughs> we'll do it someday. Then he did the Page Master 1994, and then on Jumanji 1995. So this man hit the road running.
1: Yeah, definitely hit all these like really big kids movies and things. See, for me. PageMaster was probably more of interest i remember seeing Pagemaster mm-hmm. in theaters and we, i did buy that vhs like i got that as a christmas present and i wore that fucker out i watched that one all the time i was super into yeah, page was master a, in the
0: 90s that was a fun one that yeah. mixture of live action and animation mm-hmm. i think almost every kid during that time period was watching that 94 was a great year for movies. (laughs) And then he went on to October Sky of 1999. I never saw that. Can't tell you after this. In my opinion, he hits his low points. He has Jurassic Park 3 of 2001, which is my complete garbage Jurassic Park movie that I cannot rewatch. I don't like it. I like three. <laughs> I honestly like
1: three. Of course uh, you would. But I don't. I'm not big on. I'm not big on Lost World. I'm not big on two. I almost wouldn't ever want to watch two. But I like three. I think it's fun. It's got Sam Neil back in it. I don't know. It's, they, it's a good time. The pterodactyls are cool.
0: They uh they kicked you off the team. <laughs> that's that's pretty much. I know it is gymnastics Jurassic Park. Yeah. Hmm. Hidalgo, Hidalgo from 2004. Never seen.
1: Never seen. It so either. I
0: actually don't know if that's a low point, but it didn't get great ratings. And then, oh, Wolfman 2010.
1: Oh, I like this one.
0: That, that, what? This yeah, I like it. Is it's so boring.
1: It's, it's a goofy Universal send-up. I think it's better than The Mummy as far as like a Universal Monsters reboot. Uh, not not the Brendan Fraser
0: classic Mummy, but this new one they just tried. Yeah, I like Wolfman. I think it's fun. Oh, I couldn't do it. I just remember it being so boring. Makeup was cool, though.
1: Yeah, the makeup's great. Won the Oscar that year.
0: Yes, that's all of that movie. Because <laughs> it wasn't the, the hearts and minds of the audience. Yeah, I like it, though. Then he goes on to like just do Captain America, the first Avenger in 2011. I was like, wait, what? And I did not know he did Captain America, the first Avenger. That just blew my mind.
1: It, you know, it's probably the Rocketeer factor. They were probably like, we need to do like a 40s movie sort of you know marvel thing and they were looking at who has done stuff like that before and they were like oh
0: rocketeer and, and that movie actually still has one of my favorite marvel villains the red skull in it which they completely dropped from the series yeah it's just has gone he's
1: great yeah i think the first captain america is probably the best captain america in cool. the trilogy
0: well, i don't know people love winter soldier and, i
1: don't i think it's okay
0: and civil war
1: civil war is fun but first one's great
0: then we go on the writer of this and all six of them. Jesus. Yeah. It was adapted by a book, a picture book from
1: it is uh Chris Van Alsberg, who was one of the original writers for the
0: so he must have did the first script.
1: I think he did like the treatment or the first script cuz he gets a story credit. So usually when you do story credit, it's usually the first pass at the script or uh, a treatment, you know, which would be like a 20-page mm-hmm. outline or whatever. So he gets credit for a screen story along with the two guys who ended up writing the script with accredited third writer as like the actual screenwriter so
0: typically when you get a movie with this many writers it sucks
1: yeah i don't think this movie necessarily sucks but i think it shows that there's a lot of
0: yes i think there's a lot of different ideas going on in this and we'll get into it when we do the breakdown and our afterthoughts on it but no i would definitely not say that this movie sucks at all I, i would say this movie is just straight up fun
1: yeah, it's just yeah. It's a little, it's a little mishmashy with all the writers. One of the, one of the funny things is, the third writer, that is sort of added on here is uh, Jonathan Hensley, and he wrote, a movie called, wrote and directed maybe even a movie called Welcome to the Jungle, which is the subtitle for the new Jumanji that's coming out.
0: <laughs> Was it starring Guns and Roses? No.
1: Damn it. It was one of those uh, Dimension Extreme titles that came out in the mid 2000s. So that I never saw it. it.
0: I love that you know that bullshit. <laughs> like,
1: I don't know why I do.
0: All right, we'll move on to the stars. We had Robin Williams as Alan Parrish. I know him from everything. <laughs> we have Aladdin, I don't know, Miss Doubtfire, uh, Goodwill Hunting.
1: And I think the most like this movie, Hook. Yes. Very
0: similar. This was right around the exact same time. What, Hook was 93? Ninety
1: four, yeah, somewhere in one of those, yeah.
0: Yeah, where he started doing all these kids movies, and mm-hmm. just Flubber. I remember that. Oh, love Flubber.
1: <laughs> it's a bad movie, but man, do I love it.
0: I don't even remember it. It's a fun oh. one. We have Jonathan Hyde as Sam Parrish, Alan Parrish's father, and Van Pelt. So he's he's doing dual roles on this, and I love this actor. And during the mid nineties and late nineties, he was in a lot. We have him in Titanic as the over the top bad guy. We have him in Anaconda as the, I think, the shitty scientist, wasn't he? Wasn't he the dickhead scientist? I don't remember him in that movie. He was the mummy. Yeah, he was in the the mummy. mummy. And now he's in The Strain, which I always get people looking at me funny when I say I've never seen it, and they're like, that movie, that TV series is made for you. And I'm like, I have no idea what it's about. I've seen
1: the pilot, and it's good, but I just, yeah. I can't keep up with all these damn shows I got There's tapes to watch There's... I got tapes to watch damn it.
0: are <laughs> doing a podcast on VHS not, <laughs> not these fucking shows <laughs> there
1: are plenty of podcasts on those already
0: we've got Kristen Dunst as Jodie Shepard interview with the vampire little woman spider man and basically being a little crush of mine
1: oh yeah small soldiers
0: yep yeah she's... I had a
1: huge crush on her when that movie came out I was like seven yeah huge crush on her
0: she's one month older than me Nice. We could be married one day. Yeah. If she's not okay. already married. Sorry, I, Sarah.
1: I'm. I'm. I still want to marry Naomi Watts, and she's got 20 years on me. So. Damn. <laughs> but she'll years? say yes. Really? It's like 15, I think. All
0: right. Okay.
1: But she'll say yes.
0: We have Bradley Pierce <laughs> as Peter Shepherd, and I looked this up, and I had no clue. No clue. He's the voice of Chip from Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yep, I looked this up too when we were watching. I was like, "What's this little guy doing?"
0: Chip. He, he looked familiar, and then I looked at, oh, he's in The Borrowers.
1: Oh, okay. Which I kind of do forgot remember that movie. seeing as yeah. a
0: kid, yeah. I
1: saw it, forgot about it, But yeah. he's
0: still acting. Nice. Good yeah, for him. I was surprised. Chip. We have Bonnie Hunt, which became insanely popular during the 90s. We had her in Beethoven, Jerry Maguire, The Green Mile, and then she blew up when she joined Pixar and did like almost every voice for every Female role in every movie. I mean, she was in Bugs Life, Monsters, Inc., Cars. Now she was in Zootopia.
1: She's great. Yeah. I love Bunny Hunt. She's just so delightful. Chicago's own, too.
0: Yes. And she just, in the 90s, was in so much.
1: She had her own show. She had like an Ellen DeGeneres type show.
0: Yeah, I never watched it.
1: I I think I was on all the time at my house when I was like, come home from school. Oh, you were on the show? That's amazing. I I was always on when I came home from school.
0: Just you and Bonnie Hunt. Me hanging and Bonnie on. hanging. <laughs> Putting off homework and watching Bonnie. It's also featuring Bebe Newworth yep. <laughs> as Nora Shepherd from Frasier and Cheers. Yes. That's all I know her from. And now I guess Jumanji. I'm sure she, she was in a lot more. I
1: yeah, she's know. a Broadway person. She's in uh, she's Morticia in the Broadway uh Adams family.
0: And David Allen Greer as Carl Bentley in Living Colors. Yes. Men on yeah. film.
1: Yes. I've. Oh God, I fuck. I love David Allen Greer. I love In Living Color. You know what's great, and we should do some time? Blank Man. You remember that movie? I do remember
0: Blank Man. I saw it many, many years ago, and I have no idea if I hated it or liked it as a young man. Oh, I have no idea. I love that movie. I remember that VHS cover really well, though.
1: Yeah. It's a good one. It's yeah. a good one.
0: The budget on this bad boy was $50 million estimated, but it made its money back. Really quickly. $100 million in the U.S. and Canada, and worldwide gross of 262 What the hell are they
1: doing waiting 20 years to make a sequel That's what to this? I was thinking, too. Well, Xanthura kind of counts. We'll talk about well, that. Well,
0: the production company on this was Columbia TriStar, which is actually... We've done a few movies on. Our latest one a couple of minisodes ago was Baby Driver, but our very first episode, Starship Troopers.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of Sony
0: this podcast. They put out a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, how many companies did Sony buy in the 90s? It's true. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's true. All right, let's play the trailer for you here, and then we'll come back and let Matt explain the box art to you. I'm glad you decided to buy this place. I'm sure that you and your kids will be very happy here. Every house has secrets. Everybody in town thinks the place is haunted. But what happened in this house,
1: little Alan Parrish, he just vanished about, uh, 25 years ago, It's a mystery that began a long time ago, when Alan Parrish was just a young boy who made an incredible discovery. Jumanji, you want to play? Alan, look, in the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. Twenty-six years later, Peter and Judy Shepard are about to play the same game and make an incredible discovery of their own.
0: Are you Alan Parrish? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everyone thought you were dead.
1: No, you were shaved before. They must roll the dice. You're playing the game I started in 1969. I'm gonna have to play. And finish the game together. It's not my turn. Whose turn is it? Sarah Whittle? Alan? Twenty-six years ago, we started playing a little game. Whoa! Oh, God, Sarah! No, sir, no, come no, on. I spent over 2,000 hours in therapy, convincing myself that it doesn't exist. Everyone Sarah, knows. Sarah, we're all gonna sit down. We're gonna finish it. Williams.
0: jumanji man why don't you break down the box art for us
1: you'll hear me opening and closing clamshell yes. here another one this is more because we did evils of the night in a clamshell but mm-hmm. this is this is this is a true clamshell yes. this one was released. This one came out as kids' movie clamshell. Take up a lot of space on your shelf, clamshell. <laughs> <laughs> so on the front here, you've got Robin Williams' name above it all, and the game front and center with the animals running through, like the rhinoceros and the elephant. The dice are rolling, and the neighborhood sort of exploding. It's cool because it looks like that from the game down to the animals. It looks like it's like painted. And it's even got a little painted border of, like, triangles, which is really cool. But yeah, Robin Williams' face is just, like, really shittily, like, cut in on the top. You can almost see, like, the cutting lines around it. And he's just kind of, like, peeking over the title with, like, a generic, like, headshot. That's not even how he looks in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the G-rated stampede action of it.
1: Yeah, and he just got—he's like, got like a cheeky look on his face, like this is a Robin Williams comedy. And I think it's really obnoxious that like Jumanji, the title of the movie, Jumanji, the title of the game, like pick one, like for your title treatment. You we well, don't either way on there twice.
0: Who do you think they were really trying to market this after? Is it Robin Williams everywhere? Yeah,
1: right. His name is almost as big as the title above his face. Uh, which is above the title. Apparently, it's just Animals and Robin Williams <laughs> does have a little... Uh, what's what's his name? Van Pelt, the bad guy? Yeah, Van Pelt. He's in the corner of the game on the left side. That's cool. The dice are rolling. That's a major part of the game. We got a little quote from Premier Radio Network. An exciting, thrilling adventure the whole family will love. Yay. They're really, really nailing home that this is like a family title mm-hmm. with this uh, cover and that's about it that's how you get kind of it's really spaced out a lot of white space on it the side spine obnoxiously still has that cutout of robin williams's yep. head on the side. uh we only get one title treatment on the side though just the regular jumanji robin williams's name is still on the side too yes
0: well they're pimping him out yeah.
1: digitally mastered vhs hi-fi uh, stereo, Dolby Surround, Tristar, all that fun stuff, and then we flip it over to the back. We still got the triangle borders. We got four pictures. We got uh, the main feature one is zebras and an elephant stampeding a car in in what looks like a small town. Cool, <laughs> uh, and then uh, our three pictures below. We've got the two kids, Kirsten Dunst, and the little boy whose name I don't know. A lion. And then we've got Robin Williams riding a crocodile and Robin Williams talking to the bird, uh, which is probably the worst practical effect in the movie is the bird. This is
0: how you sell a movie to children.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got the action right on top and then you've got animal, 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 because that's what your selling point is. It's like exotic animals.
0: No, this this movie was rented so fast by any any kid. You yeah. looked right at this with the front. You know, You know who Robin Williams' name is. You like him. You see all these animals. Animals are awesome. Jurassic Park was the shit.
1: Yeah. Done. Sold. So our quote from a Preview Channel is, An adventure ride for the entire family. Edge of your seat excitement.
0: Is this movie for the family?
1: Yeah, right? They're really hammering that home. So here's our description. Robin Williams, just in case you didn't know he was in it. Bonnie Hunt, Kirsten Dunst, star in this phenomenal adaptation of the award-winning children's book, exclamation point. (laughs) Well, oh, young... <laughs> I'm not reading any of this I'm a kid. <laughs> yeah, right. When young Alan Parrish discovers a mysterious board game, he doesn't realize its unimaginable powers until he's magically transported before the startled eyes of his friend Sarah into the untamed jungles of Jumanji! Exclamation point. There he remains for 26 years until he is freed by the game's spell by two unsuspecting children. Now a grown man, Alan, Robin Williams, reunites with Sarah, Bonnie Hunt. And together with Judy, Kirsten Dunst, and Peter Bradley Pierce, tries to outwit the game's powerful forces in this imaginative adventure that combines breathtaking special effects ugh, with an exciting, <laughs> en- enchanting mixture of
0: comedy, magic, and thrills. Looking at this clamshell, I do remember nitpick I always had it as a kid. I don't know why this would make me so mad, but when the barcode would be over a picture, yeah, I no, remember it is as a weird. kid always getting irritated at it. Yeah,
1: it is weird. It's like, no, I want to see the whole image, like.
0: Yeah. Well, now that I look at it, I go, did they just not want to show the elephant's butthole? Maybe. And they're <laughs> afraid to... I'll put a picture up on it on Facebook, our Facebook page, but it's an odd place. Yeah,
1: it is covering its butt, so maybe that's why.
0: All right, I'll look at the posters of these, and one of the first ones, this must have been the teaser poster right here, and again, I'll put them up on the Facebook page, but it's definitely the most dramatic poster of all the posters. This has the least amount of color, but a a lot of contrast with the game opening, the little tagline, it's a jungle in here. And then we also have like a subtitle or just another tagline maybe, an adventure for those who seek to find a way to leave the world, leave their world behind. This does not scream, I mean, it kind of does have the bright colors with kids, but that's just a really weird subtitle on that.
1: Yeah, but I think it's, I don't know, I think it's conveys adventure. It, it has an Amblin feel to it, like, to those who want to leave their world behind. It's very Spielbergy, y Amblin. Uh, the, yeah, this is, I feel like if I saw this poster as a kid, I'd be, I'd be more drawn to this one. Kind of wacky, one that the VHS cover is. I think I'd be like, ooh, I want to know what
0: this is all about. See, I, I'm more attracted to this one as an adult. But I would think as, say, a 10-year-old or something like that, this one, the second poster I'll show you, where Robin Williams is just screaming and the rhinos are just coming right through in a stampede through the game.
1: Yeah, which is the the top half of this is sort of the middle of the box art for the VHS. And yeah, Mm -hmm. we get a different Robin Williams picture this time.
0: I have a feeling this is the one they had when the movie was out. Yeah. Because they looked at the first one like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to pimp Robin Williams on this, mm-hmm. no doubt. So they stuck his face right in center with the rhinos. Yep. And it has the tagline, roll the dice and unleash the adventure. See, to me, this is more like, hey, we got to sell this to like 10 to 13 year olds. Yeah, this
1: one's more kiddie,
0: for yeah. sure. Then our last one, which is just the VHS cover.
1: Yep, Robin Williams pasted head over.
0: It doesn't even have the back of his arms behind the title. I yeah. just noticed.
1: Yeah, it's really bad.
0: This is terrible. Yeah. All right, let's play the trailer for you, and then we'll come back with all the coming attractions they had before the film. Coming soon to a theater near you. So the coming attractions on this starts with something really interesting, and I do not remember this. The great, It's the Great Sound Promo from Sony Maxim TV.
1: Yeah, it's selling the TV, and it's cool because the guy is holding the tape you're watching. He's holding, like, the Jumanji VHS, and he's like, If you want to experience great sound and picture from your VHS, and he's like holding it to the camera, and it's like, Whoa, that's what I'm watching right now. Is your trailer on your tape? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, he's holding the VHS tape, and he's like, If you want to experience the most out of your TV, you've got to get the Sony Maximum TV system.
0: Go tell your mom and dad that your current TV is a piece of shit and they need Sony's.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah. You get a little footage of the movie before the movie starts, so a little tease before you get into it.
0: Your parents are horrible. They don't <laughs> spend any money on you.
1: <laughs> they bought you this tape. Now make them buy you the TV to watch it on. <laughs> consume. Consume. Yeah. <laughs> I, Basically. I just thought
0: it was odd where it was and the guy was kind of odd, but it memorable. Seemed,
1: it seemed more like a commercial that you would see on tv than a commercial you'd see on a tape
0: yeah threw me for a loop but then we get to our coming soon and the first one we get which is one both matt and i were kind of looking at each other the entire two minutes it was going on like oh what the fuck is this it's got jeff daniels in it and anna paquin from true blood yep calling flying wild Yes. She raises geese.
1: Yes, it's one of those, I'm a misunderstood girl, and I'm going to find solace in making friends with nature movies. Which and, I feel like there's a whole subgenre of. <laughs> and of course
0: she has to hate the girl that her dad's dating.
1: Yeah, like,
0: of course. It's got all the tropes in it. Uh, every it.
1: every trope. And yeah, she's got to learn. Like, this, is, this trailer is the whole movie. She's got to learn to fly this flying machine that Jeff Daniels builds her so that she can teach the geese children to fly south.
0: Well, apparently... Which Jeff she does Daniels in the trailer, so I'm assuming she does it. The buildings. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to see this. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, no. Hard pass on this movie. I don't even...
0: And I fucking love Jeff Daniels.
1: No, Jeff Daniels is great, but this doesn't look good. This was probably... I hope it was a paycheck movie for him.
0: Well, it was right after Dumb and Dumber, so...
1: Yeah, he was, he was fine. He yeah. was set. He was just, like, coasting at that point.
0: Then we had Matilda, which is one that my mom loved.
1: Yeah, um, I, Matilda's actually a lot like Jumanji for me. I saw it once when it came out, probably liked it, enjoyed it. Never w- went back and watched it since, though. I never owned it, nothing. Uh, so I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years.
0: Oh, no, I'd walk into the room and see it and go, Ugh, Matilda, <laughs> again, girls, yuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that thought process when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> and while watching it, I looked at you, who directed this? Danny DeVito which wow that, that's, that surprised me
1: yeah um, he's definitely got a very uh, distinct energetic style but the uh, trailer is trying to sell it almost like a Tim Burton movie because you got the Nightmare Before Christmas song that starts the trailer with what's this and then you get uh, the Beetlejuice uh, uh, jump in the line for the second half of the trailer, I know, like and it's they, very like it's trying to show you mystical magic stuff, and it's like trying to sell it like a Tim Burton and movie. The
0: extreme angles, yeah. Like, cause everything's looking up as a kid, and how they would say, mm-hmm. "I get it," but it was just a little much. I would watch it though.
1: Oh, we definitely would go back. Like, like a Jumanji, would love to go back twenty years later because I don't really remember it. The a nice. lot of people love that
0: movie. Oh yeah, well, like I said, my mom. <laughs> hey mom. Hey mom. Then we had the most generic adventure kid movie ever. Not only was the actual trailer generic, but the fucking title was Alaska.
1: Alaska. Nothing will make me not want to see a movie more than just calling your movie Alaska. Could it be like
0: great adventure Alaska? Yeah, like... Anything else but just Alaska?
1: Adventure through the Alaskan wilderness, and I'm more interested than Alaska. Uh, Basically, it's just a kid trying to find his down pilot dad in the Alaskan wilderness.
0: Yeah, because all the grown-ups have given up.
1: Yeah, but the kids haven't. They're going to get him Adults are dumb! And really, we didn't get much of what the movie's about besides that in the trailer. And well, at least they kept it a secret. They kept it a secret, I guess, if you're interested in it, but the movie looks like it sucks. So. It actually,
0: the trailer started out, I'm looking for my dad, and then it turned out it was more like, Save the Polar Bears? Yeah. Yeah. I was confused. Mm-hmm. We had a big shift in that. <laughs> then we get a promo for the animated series that... Uh, and I love how it said, on UPN, yeah. Fall 1996.
1: We're the stuff that no, none of the other channels want. Uh, <laughs> UPN, Fall 96, which is funny because this is probably some time, and this promo is nothing. You don't see any footage from the animated series. Fall 96 is probably a long time from when this VHS came out. Yeah. it probably had a ways to go before that was Well, dropping. I'm
0: sure this VHS came out, pff, I'm going to say like April, May, 1996. Yeah, and you had to
1: wait until, like, November of, like, 96 to catch yeah. the animated series. Well,
0: it probably came with that whole fall new programming. Yeah. And I bet it was Saturday Morning Cartoon. For sure. Yeah.
1: So we watched the intro to this animated series, and it looks very, like, Wild Thornberries or something like that. It's uh, very strange.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't really like the style.
1: Yeah. I, I think I watched the show, though. Like, not regularly, but I think I had it on before. I think it's very generic
0: yeah I'll take your word for it it did last three seasons though that's incredible nice we had next was the Columbia TriStar family montage
1: yeah for the family collection so it's stuff like Ghostbusters The Bear My Girl
0: Then and Now yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of popular ones on there
1: A little montage, a little cute moments. Movies that I probably would have wanted to watch more than this one. But uh, I I like this movie. I'm not dogging on it. But I was watching that, and I was like,
0: man, I want to go back and watch all these. (laughs) And now we got our best part, the feature presentation. Yes. break this son of a bitch down <laughs> as quick as possible So <laughs> we're wordy this week we started in 1869 with two brothers burying a chest yep with the game in it and it's got the little drum beat yeah by the way this entire first scene could be cut from the movie no need
1: no need for it and also tonally different from the rest of the film
0: yeah it looks like a completely different film it looks like a horror movie yeah starts <laughs> i don't know what the hell going on with this yeah Then it spends us 100 years in the future to 1969, the summer of love. Sure. (laughs) I think. I think that's the summer of love, I assume. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, you nerds. (laughs) We get Alan escapes bullies and uh, immediately runs to his dad's shoe factory, which is the first movie. No, wait. There is another movie with a shoe factory dad in it, isn't there? Father of the Bride? Father the Bride! <laughs> Those movies are dope. <laughs> wow. Maybe that could be an actually subgenre of movies. Movies where dads own shoe companies.
1: Oh, yeah. I bet we could find a bunch
0: of them. Again, wordy. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we meet our, our main man, Carl. And Carl's showing off his new prototype shoe. But that little bastard, Alan, puts it on a belt when his dad shows up, runs away like a little bitch, and that shoe gets stuck in the conveyor belt?
1: And yeah, halts production for the rest of the day apparently, but it was it was the modern gym shoe. Yeah. Carl made the modern gym shoe uh, in the sixties and it, was it great. just it didn't it did Alan fucked it up for everybody.
0: I know he just runs away and then he gets beat up. I'm glad he got beat up. <laughs> they stole your bike. I like this kid actor. He's really good. Do you know what else he's from? H two O. Damn it! <laughs> Can never get this nerd. <laughs>
1: H2O, which is like it's crazy because he seems like such a little kid in this, and that's only like three years later.
0: Yeah, he's good, and he's it. like
1: a teenager in that. Like I like,
0: actually want him in the rest of the movie. I would take him over Robin Williams in this movie. Oh honestly. wow! Oh ho oh, ho man! You just start that's fighting words. for yeah. some of these, some of the audience out here. I, I love Robin
1: Williams, but like, what is he? He doesn't really have that much to do. He doesn't even really get to be Robin Williams in this movie. He's just kind of like generic adventurer I... number one.
0: I will go into that in the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, he just, he's not silly and over the top and, you know, Robin Williams like I expect. So it would have been fun if it was another kid, like a fish out of water kid from the 60s coming into the 90s. He, it's a whole other movie that he, it writes itself.
0: Well, well, we had like six writers, so maybe one of them had that idea. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so we get out and he gets beat up from the kids, but then before he goes home, he hears the drum beat. Yeah, boom, 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 which I always remembered that from this really well. I remember that drum beat. I thought that was a nice audio effect to let you know that menacing yeah. game. I, th- I thought that was good. So he goes and he digs out this chest, opens up the chest, just runs away with the game. As some construction worker just looks at him like, "Hey." Yeah, this kid is just walking money. around
1: a construction site like with no no problem getting around whatsoever.
0: Matt, it's the '60s. It's true. So we get him going home. His dad is proud of him for something and says, like, it's time for you to go to the boys' school of something, boarding school, I don't know, whatever. He's
1: proud of him for getting his ass kicked. He's like, yeah, faced him like a man.
0: So I'm going to send you to boarding school.
1: Yeah. He's, like, all fucking, you know, black eyes and yeah. ripped open lip
0: and shit. And he's just like, I'm proud of you, son. The kid's like, first Down <laughs> <laughs> But, man, the kid gets pissed. He's like, your grandfather or the building's named after your grandfather great so i can go there and get beat up
1: yeah basically
0: and then he gets all mad and they get a little argument now did you notice this actress the mother yeah patricia clarkson yeah yeah what a tiny role she she must not have blown up yet i guess yeah i was trying i didn't get time to look that up yeah but that, yeah she patricia
1: clarkson ha- is in this movie
0: even Sarah noticed. She's like, What is she doing here? Is she in this movie? And I'm like, No. Because that's all we ever see of her. Yeah.
1: She's got lines. Like she said, she's not just like an extra. She's got yeah. lines. She's but got she's... a whole
0: six lines. But
1: then, yeah, then she's just gone. And you know what, though? Still looks exactly the same as she yeah. does today, which is insane. That's
0: amazing. That's exactly what Sarah said. She's like, Oh my God, I don't think she's aged in 20 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Patricia Clarkson, we love you. Thanks for being in this movie.
0: Briefly. <laughs> and, of course, the kid gets mad. He's going to run away, which... So, any kid can relate to this running away. Good job from the screenwriters on that. All I of them. I love all <laughs> six of them. <laughs> One of you came up with a great idea. I love how he packs away Wonder Bread and peanut butter as his essentials. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, we're running away from home. That's such a classic childhood trope that we always want to see in our escapist adventure movies. So, yeah, good on them for adding it in
0: there. So, before... Little Alan here can run away. Sarah shows up with his bike and he's like, Hey, let me show you this sweet game I got. And they go in and she's like, I don't play games, drops the dice, and Jumanji begins. Yeah.
1: And her her thing doesn't kick in right away. Like it says the little thing, it pops up on the little magic eight ball thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't happen yet. So then Alan rolls and his thing comes up and it's like, he starts to go. It, like it takes it kicks in and then hers kicks in as well. So the bats come flying out as he's getting sucked into the game.
0: Now I'm gonna dog on some of these early special effects throughout this. Other than I know these are the beginning of special effects in a way, but I love the little magical writing of the text on this. I always thought that effect still, to me, that effect still stands really well.
1: That that one that one didn't do much for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just well, not, something me, else that I have to, me to me add to like that the, I was just like, eh. it's the perfect spot where you put the CG. You know, it just kind of like you can't really do that. Maybe you could, maybe it is animation. Maybe that's why it looks so good to me. I don't know.
1: Well, that's what it looks. Yeah, that's what yeah. it looks like to me. That's maybe why I'm not like, whoa, that's great CGI because it does. It looks like animation, so maybe that's why. Uh, but then the CG kicks in when he oh, goes into the oh, game. Oh boy! And you know what? You were saying, ah, oh, it's early CG. I'm going to say that's inexcusable. Like, we had The Abyss and Terminator 2 already out at this point. There's no excuse for how bad this CGI is. Well, do you remember
0: <laughs> how good it was in Evil Dead 2 when he gets sucked into the portal? Mm-hmm. How cool that looks. So, yeah, that you was like You can do thing. it.
1: You can do it, guys.
0: <laughs> I just think Industrial Light and Magic, which is one of the studios that did this, it just does not look good.
1: No. And it's, like I said, it's inexcusable. It ages terribly. It, because there's stuff from earlier that's better that these guys did.
0: So, and she gets scared away by the by the bats. I don't know why the bats take so long to get through the fireplace, but whatever. She runs away, and then it, inexcusably says, 26 years later, here's a fault I'm going to point out to you guys. Do not make kids do math.
1: Yeah, right? 26 years later, when is that?
0: Nineteen ninety-five,
1: <laughs> but at least it—you know what? At least it didn't say present day, because if it would have cut to that and it said present day, that ages the hell out of the movie. Then, though, you're like, yeah. ooh, <laughs> these fashions.
0: So, twenty-sixty. Oh yeah, N- man, the nineties. When we get to Bonnie Hunt, we're gonna talk about nineties. Yeah, days. right. We get introduced to Judy and Peter. Who have to move in with their Aunt Nora because their parents died the year before in a crash going to Canada. Yeah. Which is probably the first time I've ever heard that in a movie. You always hear the parents dying in a plane crash or a car crash, but they're specifically like, they went to Canada.
1: Well, I think they do it so that they could do that callback at the end. I think that's why yes. I specifically say oh, good that point. I guess before we go any further, I like this movie. I think it's it's a fun time, it's a good time. I, I don't think it's great. I don't love this movie, but I like this movie. And one of the things I think it does well is it's part of that it, it may even be like the last one of what we were talking about when we were watching uh Fly the Navigator. Deals with real shit for these kids. Yes. Like these yeah. kids have dead parents, they're living with an aunt, but they're dealing with it like I feel like normal kids would, like, uh, they're not just sad all the time, but they're like you know, like uh, Kirsten Dunst has like a sort of morbid sense of humor about it. She makes up this grandiose story about how her parents died to the realtor, and the realtor is like creeped out when the, yes. the aunt is just like, "No, nah, they just died in a car crash." Yeah, they're dedicated parents. Like she's shit. Yeah, it like so I feel like they just handled that really well. And what that's one of the things I really like about this movie is it doesn't pander to the kids. Like the kids get to act real in it
0: well i feel like the kid peter who who doesn't talk i feel that is that is such a trope in a lot of these kids movies where a kid gets traumatized and he doesn't talk or she doesn't talk maybe that happens in real life i honestly don't know i just feel like it happens in movies a little too often yeah it seems like a really easy way for a screenwriter to go they're traumatized so they can't talk
1: so i'm gonna yeah. say i'm gonna say something really stupid right now and i because i just watched this Ooh, i'm rubbing my hands together Peter doesn't talk.
0: At the very beginning, he He won't
1: talk. He doesn't. I, I, like, completely missed that
0: when I watched this. Yeah, he doesn't talk until um, Alan comes back. Well, shit. (laughs) I missed that little
1: giant factoid about this movie. (laughs) I was paying attention, too. And this is
0: part of, like, the script writing. I guarantee you there are scenes cut in this movie. And I do have the DVD to this that I found for $4. Nice. And it has deleted scenes in it. My dumbass never watched it.
1: That's fine. You're good. Had plenty of time. I'm sure. I'm sure they're not great.
0: I'm assuming they were. Yeah. I'm assuming there were scenes <laughs> cut from them at school or something because when they do stay home from school, mm. it seems like there's time passed. Like, well, why would they immediately stay home on the first day? Is there a reason why? Are there bullies at school or is someone making fun of them? Do they not like a teacher? You know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be scenes cut right there.
1: Yeah. Good point. But, yeah, I didn't even realize the kid didn't talk. Uh, Also...
0: Well, it didn't last long.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why. We're pretty far along into this movie. We spend uh, a long time with young
0: uh, Alan. Probably like 25 minutes, right? I break down Act 1. Act 1 is really long. It's set up for this movie because first they have to set up Alan and Sarah, and then they have to turn around and set up Judy and Peter. So you get 24, 25 minutes into this before the adventure even starts to back two.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I was blown away by how long this movie took. but this what this movie kind does, of like our podcast. Woo, we're really stretching this one out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think one of the other things I really like about this movie is, and I think it works well for kids, is that it gets all that bullshit out out of the way. So once Robin Williams comes back and the adventure starts, the adventure lasts the whole movie then. Yeah. So then kids are, kids can be sort of ADD during the beginning of the movie, and then as soon as the adventure shit starts, they're in until the well, end.
0: I feel like whoever was in charge of writing had the most amount of say on the last 50% of the movie. Yeah. Because it's... I feel that's the most put-together portion. I feel like the beginning, the beginning, beginning where they have the random kids from 1800, then they have the 1969 version feels like someone else's idea, where they almost wanted to make this a time period, and then we skipped ahead another 26 years. This portion feels like someone else wrote it, and then the last half feels like one person. Yeah. So it's, you can tell this is a mismatch of ideas. Yeah. But they i got to give Joe Johnston and a lot of people credit. They do a pretty good job of smashing these all together.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fun movie still. Yes. It's just a little nonsensical
0: (laughs) so they get up to the attic because they hear the drum beat they grab the game they immediately start playing like kids would and it blows their mind I love the dated joke Jody says oh it must be microchips that make these pieces move together really you wouldn't go straight to magnets microchips yeah microchips in a random game in 1995 in your attic? Yeah. Uh, kid's been watching a lot of TV. <laughs> so it moves on, and then they get attacked by giant mosquitoes. Why are they giant? I don't know. Jungle. And then she smacks one out. Then we get to the kid, and this is the CG that I am really torn about. Because it's awful when he gets the monkeys. These are the worst
1: CG yes. in the movie, for sure.
0: They created created their own software for these monkeys' movement and the hair. Like, the hair software that they did for them, it was state-of-the-art. And I've read a lot about it, but I have got to be honest, this is terrible CG. (laughs)
1: It looks like... Dog shit! Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a digital smear on your screen when you're watching it.
0: I was just getting the, like the shakes from like Lost in Space. Lost in Space, where that awful monkey alien thing is in it. Yeah, that turns all the colors. I was like, oh, 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 We gotta do that movie. movie soon. I got that tape. Jesus Christ, the thing is <laughs> shit. That's tough. That's a tough sci-fi movie to get through.
1: Yeah, but we should do
0: it. <laughs> now that we announced it <laughs>
1: yeah so we get this awful i feel like the cgi for the mosquitoes isn't bad
0: no i think it's it okay holds up. it's fine i could easily see that being in a movie now well yeah
1: anything could be in a movie now. the
0: monkeys would be in a movie now too but uh the monkeys are bad oh yeah they're that's... bad <laughs> peter gets up he rolls double so he gets to roll again he rolls a five Which does one of two things. First, a lion gets out. And this lion is both CG and practical. And right when the lion's practical face comes out and roars, Sarah just goes, wow, that's terrible. And I was like, this is terrible? You didn't say anything about the monkeys. I, I love
1: the animatronic lion. You could tell it's a puppet, but I love it. It's there, it's
0: in front of you, it's in the well, scene. It's funny how people react to the difference because I was like, I want to see these animatronics all day. I don't yeah. want to see this dog shit CG.
1: I agree. The practical effects, like the lion, are really fun. They're really fun.
0: Well, you know what weirds me out? There's a couple scenes because uh, now we get Alan and Robin Williams comes back in full caveman, you know, rainforest beard. He looks pretty cool, honestly. I kind of wish he was this guy instead of shaving the entire time.
1: Well, that must have been a more iconic image because that's what they use for the animated series, is him with the beard and the caveman garb. he just looks
0: better. Yeah. But they have the lion doing a few action scenes, jumping and everything. Honestly, the lion's fur on that one looks pretty good. Why is the fur on the monkey so bad? (laughs) I mean, the
1: the CG lion is pretty bad, too.
0: Yeah, but it's a lot but better. But it's better than
1: the monkeys, yeah.
0: So someone was working overtime on the lion, and then just like,
1: ah, monkeys, yeah, fuck it. Click, go. <laughs> practical <laughs> just, always works, and I yes. think the lion and, like, the crocodile in this movie are good examples of, like, practical is always better. Even if it doesn't look the best, it's there. I'd it's rather real. have
0: bad practicals than bad CG. Exactly, exactly. So, that's how I look at it. Oh. oh, So we get onto it, and then they meet robin he runs out in the street he runs into carl he's like do you remember me i'm where's the shoe factory he's like old man Parrish fired me and then i became a cop
1: yeah and he's got like the the shorter cool haircut now and he's like he doesn't he doesn't look like he's aged at all in 26 years they put a for little a gray in his hair yeah that's yeah, about noticed, it yeah. but yeah he's a cop now and uh, the shoe thing never took off for him, even though he it practically invented the gym shoe as we know it today.
0: Yeah, and then I think the monkeys bust up his car, fire yeah. off his shotgun. They then steal it. Somehow, Alan runs away again, and then they get back to the house. Oh, you know what? So the mosquitoes are going around stinging people and putting them into comas.
1: Yeah, another thing I liked about this movie is like they're like the people are getting sick. Like it's almost like a little a mini version of Outbreak is happening within yeah. this film. Yeah, the I monkeys are running expected, around and the the mosquitoes are transferring a disease.
0: <laughs> I almost expected the news reporter live on scene. People are dying from right, know, like, so they're going into comas. It's
1: pretty harsh. So I, I like that about this movie. It too. ended
0: up being the realtor too, and then they just steal her car because a mosquito is trying to break through the top and through the glass. Yeah, Those mosquitoes. Stingers are must be steel.
1: Yeah, and Rob Williams the whole time is like it can't get through. It can't get through. It can't get through. It's like smashing through. I was like oh shit! One of the fun things about Rob Williams' performance, and I know I was kind of talking on it earlier, but one of the fun things is he is sort of playing it like a twelve-year-old boy. He's just not playing over the top like we expect with Rob Williams, but he is, you know, well, playing a twelve-year-old right for twenty-six years without any other human interaction. So, so he's yeah, still trapped in... right? So. Well, so he does a good, he does a fun thing with still sort of playing a 12 year old.
0: Yeah, see, I like his performance in this because I don't like it when Robin Williams goes full madman like yeah. he did in, in um, Baron Munchausen. Baron, Baron so they ended up getting back to the house. He shaves, puts on a suit, and then they just start playing the game because they're like, well, we got to finish this thing. And he rolls the dice. Well, they have to get Sarah first. Oh, wait. They go, so they take that car, they go back to the parish, and then that old man, the old homeless man, drops exposition like no other. He's like, oh, old man parish killed himself looking for his kid. Just couldn't go on living. Yeah. I don't think he actually killed himself, but I think exhaustion killed him from constantly looking. But did you notice they never mentioned what happened to the mom, did they?
1: No. Isn't this the plot where they everybody thinks that the uh, the dad killed the kid too?
0: Yeah, I think the old man mentions that or maybe like, Sarah does later like, on. Like
1: yeah, I right, I think even yeah, Sarah and Judy, Judy thinks when they moved into a house where the dad chopped up and put in the walls the son I think Anna, Sarah mentions yeah, it later, Sarah too. mentions it, too. She's like, I thought your dad chopped you up and put you in the walls. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: you saw him get zapped into the game, but I guess all your therapy made you. So they go back. I remember he rolls, or maybe he realized, oh, no, he does roll, and then nothing happens. He realized, because Sarah went first in the past, she's the one who threw the Mm -hmm. dice down saying she didn't like it, so they have to go meet Sarah, which she faints, and I feel like that's a 90s trope. Yeah, right? We don't get that anymore. I thought
1: fainting in quicksand would be more of a thing when I grew up, growing up in the 90s, and both are in this film. (laughs) Yes, I've
0: never (laughs) seen a person faint from you mentioning something that shocks them. I've never seen a person faint. Neither have I. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah and I love it she faints she's a psychic apparently she faints which she never uses any of her psychic abilities this, Right by the way they just that, that character like a little detail gone
1: that's a product of the six writers for sure yeah that was probably a bigger issue in a different script yeah she where probably they go in use, and
0: get their hands read, you know their yeah. palms red or something but they straight up kidnap her bring her memories carrying her back straight into the giant mansion which mm. by the way that aunt apparently fixes up in like one night according to this timeline because i guarantee you there was a montage fix up in another script
1: well there there's the worst montage i've ever seen in a movie in this movie where she just walks it's a wide shot and she walks past a doorway three times while a song is playing to as, to, as to convey like she's cleaning the house in a montage but they don't move from that position and not a lot changes as she walks back and forth through this doorway so it's like it's a pretty terrible montage yeah it it conveys nothing that mansion's huge to fix up that mansion it would
0: take weeks
1: well yeah and cut to the kids sweeping or cut to like her washing a window or something no her walking back and forth between a doorway while a song plays does not convey that's what I'm saying like
0: yeah there was something else part of this script there had to be they get back and they force Sarah to play and she's like griping you don't know how hard it's been for me all this money and time and therapy And, uh, and before Even Robin Williams said it. He's like, hard for you. I was in a jungle alone for 26 years. Get over yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I also, I like,
1: so they get this mansion because it's like a foreclosure and the whole town is like shut down. It's like a bad town. It's like a, you know, it's only like people that are stuck there that are still living there. So I, I, that's another thing I like about this movie is that it is like the shutdown, worn down by the past small town and they they could buy they can afford this mansion because no one else lives there but that that serves the plot though so when the game goes crazy of course no one's like running out in the neighborhood to check and see what's going on because no one's there
0: yes so once they get sarah in to the game i believe this film picks up yes this is the game now this is the
1: second half of the movie and all goes crazy
0: act two picks up she ends up rolling the dice and then they get attacked by carnivorous vines, flowers, slash pods. Yeah. And this is straight up in my mind where I go, feed me, Seymour. Yeah, definitely. And this practical fact is amazing. I know it's clearly a puppet because it comes out of like a little closet. Yeah,
1: that that Venus flytrap looking thing is amazing. Yes, it's great. That's,
0: that is one I look at and I'm like, I don't know what studio, puppetry studio or whatever did this, but you guys tore it up. That looked amazing chops the vine off from attacking peter which by the way i don't understand a lot of the rules we'll go into that when we get to van pelt so right after they escape this they go into like a library alan rolls the dice and then a hunter comes after him called van pelt which is the same actor that plays his father and my favorite character van pelt is awesome he just chews the scenery and the very little time he gets on it
1: yeah he's having fun for sure yeah
0: and that giant, ridiculous gun. Alan ends up escaping him, comes right back, and then I think we get, is it Peter or Judy who rolls the dice, and then we get the Stampede, which is part of the actual box cover art.
1: I think it's Judy, because doesn't he roll and then turn into a monkey? That's
0: later on when he tries oh, that's to later? cheat. Oh, oh. So they smash through all the... And by the way, the Stampede CG is really good. It's, not, it's almost
1: like they took the actual animals and digitally placed yeah, them in there was, as opposed to, to think, like, digitally creating the animals like,
0: why does this look so damn good like them smashing through the hallway and also later on through cars and stuff like that I go, wait a minute this feels like so much different from the monkeys
1: yeah it, it, maybe it is the fact that they used real animals and placed them into the scene or maybe it's just they knew this was their big set piece and this is where all the money went.
0: Well, they do a good job with this stampede, I honestly think. Now, I know you have a real problem with the pelican, so I'll let you talk about that.
1: <laughs> I, I don't have a big problem with it. I just think this is the thing that looks the most like a puppet and could fuel someone's argument for not having practical effects in this. I give
0: you exhibit A, the monkeys, and exhibit B Right the it, Pelican.
1: Which is yeah, which is still my argument. I'll take the pelican any day over the monkeys for sure. But like I said this is fuel for the people that don't like the practical effects.
0: Fair enough. I actually But like I I
1: hair. I like it. It's fine. It just it looks like a it looks like a puppet. Like this looks yeah. like a puppet.
0: So the pelican steals the game, which I have no idea why a pelican would other than plot. Feel the plot.
1: Well, it's it's a product of the game. So the game is trying to keep them. Keep think... Yeah. Because Van Pelt is also trying to get the game. Is it, it, it? All the creations of the game are trying to get the game out of their hands so they can't finish, so they okay. can stay roaming right. free.
0: I didn't pick up it's, on that. It's but the game's it mind. Yeah. yeah. So the Pelican steals it. Eventually, uh, Peter grabs the game before it, I don't know, washes down the river. And this is another weird side plot because magically now Sarah's mad. At Alan for not being more of a better father figure to Peter, and I was like, "Where the hell did this come from?" He
1: is like this father figure now, and but it's there like, had but to he's seen cut. He's a twelve-year-old boy, like still. You know what I mean? Like he, he hasn't. Why is he being? Why is he expected to be like a father?
0: But where, where did this happen? Where was there a scene? Yeah, the scene. There has to be a cut scene. Like what? This was just thrown upon us, right? Like Sarah's pissed off. Why aren't you a better father to little Peter over there? What are you
1: talking about? Like I'm still 12 in my mind.
0: <laughs> so, he goes on and eventually gets arrested by Carl because Van Pelt hunts him down and he's firing at him inside. He so he gets arrested mm-hmm. somewhere around there little Peter tries to cheat by throwing the dice down to get the exact main amount The exact amount to get to the end and the game punishes him and turns him into a monkey. Half monkey, half man. I don't know when that happens.
1: It's in there. It's somewhere in this last third of the movie.
0: Because eventually Van Pelt steals the game, goes to a department store, hopefully to lure Alan in there so he can kill him. Which I, I, I thought is like man, this is kind of like heavy for kids like you have a hunter again that's the thing i like about murder alan yeah
1: that's the thing i like about this movie no no soft no softness here it's all hard around the edges
0: he even goes into a gun store to get a new massive gun the gun owners shut the store down and he pays them in gold and then there's the most dated postal joke wait you're not a postal worker are you yeah i was like ooh, ooh, that's dating it
1: But also, like, a very timely joke where they're like, you need a permit to get that gun. He throws a bunch of gold
0: down, like, what do you need? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, damn, if only we had gold coins, we could get whatever we wanted. (laughs) So he goes down there to the department store, which, by the way, since the stampede's happening, people are just looting the department store. And I was like, well, that escalated really quickly.
1: Well, they're in a bad part of town, though, now. People there, people are desperate there, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're just stealing shit. They're like, there's an elephant! Steal!
1: Yeah, basically, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then it turns into a home alone, where like Peter's putting together all these ridiculous traps to get Van Pelt, and so is Sarah, and then, you know, also uh, Judy's helping. And I I kind of was laughing and having fun with this, even though they destroyed the department store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, eventually... Alan escapes Carl, and Carl smashes into the department store, and then they head back home where the mansion, and this is kind of Act 3, has begun yeah. now. And Carl's car gets stolen by a giant vine. They return to the mansion, and it's its a jungle.
1: Yeah, and now this is this is our final location. We are yes. back at the house, and it all goes down here.
0: And they don't leave it. This is it. Because eventually Sarah rolls to get the monsoon. Mhm. And then I think personally that crocodile is a great practical effect. Yeah.
1: I that's the lion and the crocodile are great, great practical this effects in this.
0: Straight up Rainforest fact Cafe too. Yeah. And so when that comes in, I guess they have to get somehow they get to the attic. Does he say like we have to get to high ground what happens? Yes. Yeah.
1: They, they wanna go, okay. they wanna they're like She's like, nothing's happening. I think we're going to be all right. The monsoon will happen outside. And he's like, we should, we should go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember now, because Robin Williams has that great look on his face. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> and then when they go upstairs, that's when the quicksand thing happens to Robin Williams, where he gets yes. stuck on the floor. And she gets stuck trying to get yeah. him out, too.
0: Now, that, again, CG is... Bad. Brutal. It's bad.
1: It's bad for sure. But this plays into my '90s fear of quicksand being more of a thing,
0: <laughs> than it ended up being. So they get stuck in there. I don't know who rolls next, but somehow we get giant spiders.
1: Yeah, which are practical and look good.
0: Really, I, I think these look bad.
1: I think these look. I think these look better than the pelican.
0: These look like Halloween store. Oh no, I think the pelican looks better. These look like Halloween store spiders.
1: I li- I like them. I think they fit the tone of the movie. And I think they, when they get to the, when you see them further away, so I'm getting all tripped up here, trying to defend the spiders. <laughs> um, when you see them far away, yeah, I can totally see that. Like, they are kind of like, but they move like spiders do. Well, then when they do the close-up, though, and you see how, like, their bug eyes and their, like, the no, fangs No, I and think stuff, that's
0: cool. Yeah,
1: that looks great,
0: I think. No, I think the movement of them looks weird. I like, like the way they
1: move. I don't know, that's just me, though. That may not be the fact that they're, like, good.
0: How does the axe joke play in this? I can't remember. This at the end, Act Three moves so fast. Apart, so yeah, I can't flies remember. by. Yeah. What's the axe joke? The axe joke where he goes to the axe and he breaks the fourth wall. The kid, Peter, go get the axe in uh, my dad's shed, and then Peter. Oh run-
1: yeah, he goes. He goes to open the lock and it's locked, so he grabs the axe which is right next to the thing. <laughs> yeah. He goes to hit it. And then right before he hits, he looks at the camera, because like, he's got the axe in his hand already, and then he goes inside. Yeah. That's I a like clever...
0: Cle- I, I love that gag.
1: I like. I really like that.
0: I just didn't like him breaking the fourth wall when it's the only time they did it in the movie.
1: I laughed really hard at this. Like, it's a kid's movie. I will let that one... I feel like the rules for breaking the fourth wall, you, sh- you always usually do it in a kid's... It's a Bugs Bunny thing. Bugs Bunny always would look you know, at the
0: Bugs camera, Bunny so. did it all the time, though.
1: I guess, but it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's expected in kids' films. So I I liked it, and I laughed. I, like, genuinely laughed really hard at that part.
0: Either way, it's a great gag. Because that kid sells it Yeah, he sells the hell out of it. So it goes up. I guess they're trying to chop him out. Sarah rolls, Peter rolls, and then somehow... Someone gets an earthquake? Maybe. Is that how he gets loose from the floor? Because he falls down, then Van Pelt comes back, covered in paint. Which I was confused. I go, wait a minute. So all the paint was pre mixed that fell on him. And I go, okay, you're getting too far in this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he points the gun at him. He rolls the dice. It hits three. And right before the bullet hits him with Sarah hugging him, which, by the way, I guess now Sarah and Peter, or Sarah and Alan are in love. Yeah. I don't know when that really happened.
1: Uh, uh, sure. They went okay. on an adventure together. Yes. So now they like each other again.
0: Women love adventure, right? Sure. Isn't that the old rule from James Bond or something? Yeah, yeah. So the bullet vanishes, all the shitty CG goes away, and the house is back to normal, and they're in 1969. Yeah. Which, I don't know, I guess Jumanji has the rule of it will travel back in time until when the game started.
1: Right, and then he's nice to his dad, and his dad
0: is nice back to him, and they get along again, and he's not a piece of shit. And then they do another time jump. Where they go back again 26 years to current day 1995. And they're married and they're going to have kids. They got a baby coming. And
1: then they meet Judy and Peter.
0: And freak them out.
1: And freak them out. And then the parents are like, we were going to take a trip to Canada. No. Yeah. It was a good (laughs) gag, too.
0: Yeah, I did like that. I felt that's part of the one where I was like, you know what? Bonnie Hunt and Robin Williams should have been in another movie together. They've got great chemistry.
1: She's so good in this movie. I, I, she's just so fun to watch in this movie.
0: Can we talk about her outfit? It's so good. <laughs> the giant vest with the sweater over it. Yeah. And also, I think it was a dress with like a knee, knee cut level dress with a giant vest and also a giant sweater.
1: And she's got like a thousand necklaces too, right? Like she's got like.
0: And, and the, Different like, colored things. And a on '90s scrunchie keeping her braided uh, um, ponytail together. She is so '90s in this. Yeah, like, she
1: looks like the '90s threw up on her. Yes. And uh, Do you it's great.
0: The, the '80s girl from prom night too. Right.
1: This is the '90s equivalent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's so '90s. And the, but I, and well, I guess uh, Jody had on the overalls. I remember those in the 90s, and yeah, now they're back.
1: They're back. Well, 90s are back, so. Yeah, that's why. So.
0: That's
1: why we're getting another Jumanji.
0: <laughs> All right, let's play a little scene from the movie here, and then we're going to come back with the behind the scenes. Cool. hunter from the darkest ones makes you feel just like a child. What is it? Here are our behind the scenes. Now, as I told you before, I got this VHS for 25 cents and then I ran down to another store and literally within the same week, I found this used DVD copy of Jumanji for $4. Nice. And it is loaded with special features, mostly from the special effects. So that's where I got to see a bunch of how they're creating the practicals, which they really show off the practicals and the behind the scenes. But they also show off the CGI and you can see all these animators and they are very proud that they invented the software for the fur. And that's where I got such mixed feelings. I was like, ooh, you're so proud, but it's man, so this is rough to watch. <sighs> Sorry, guys.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen the behind-the-scenes. I just watched the tape. And, uh, yeah. So I've got no allegiance to it. And i got to say, it's bad, guys.
0: It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's nothing about it. The quicksand, the getting sucked into Jumanji, like the particle effects on that, and the fur, they're just rough to watch. I just don't understand why the fur is so much better on the lion. I just don't get it. Yeah. The same amount of time should have been... And by the way... Why are the mosquitoes giant? The spiders are giant, but the monkeys are normal size.
1: Everything else is normal size. The crocodiles normal size. The lions normal size. The pelicans normal size.
0: Why are the bugs giant? The jungle? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. And why do so? Like Van Pelt only attacks Alan's character, but the vines and the pods they attack Peter. The mosquitoes attack anyone. Van
1: Pelt has been after him after Robin Williams' character uh, that's a, that's the only reason I think
0: why but I think but when he he tells Sarah I could have killed you at any time she's like, well why didn't you and he's like because you didn't roll the dice. Maybe it's your
1: role. I don't know the, yeah, I don't but know I the get, rules. I
0: don't feel, again, that might have something to do with the multiple writers. I feel like if you rolled the dice, they would be constantly hunting you to try to stop you from finishing the game. Right,
1: like each one is personally, but yeah, it doesn't. It gets muddled then. It heck. gets muddled really yeah. bad.
0: So that's part of like the mixed reviews we'll talk about when we, you know, do we recommend this. Here are <laughs> more of the afterthoughts. We mentioned earlier that the book, it was based off a um, picture book. So when TriStar actually started acquiring rights to this, they're like, you know, we've got the director for it. They immediately wanted Joe Johnston, who was coming off of The Rocketeer, and they also loved Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, so and
1: Page Master was only a year and before Page there's... Master.
0: So I think when they bought the the script to this and they got Joe Johnston, he was doing Page Master. Joe Johnston immediately is like, well, if I'm going to do this, i got a couple actors in mind, and one was Tom Hanks, and the other one was Michael Keaton, which I think both would have been fine in this role.
1: I would have loved to have seen Michael
0: Keaton in this role. I I wish Michael Keaton would have got a lot better roles in the 90s, but for some reason he got bad roles. After Mm -hmm. after Beetlejuice and Batman, it was shit.
1: I mean, no, he got some good roles, but he really just got swept under the rug,
0: unfortunately. I mean, his 90s movie that... Oh, it's so bad that I remember him from Jack Frost. It's his 90s movie. It's just like, ugh.
1: That's one I don't like. <laughs>
0: that's not one I can defend. <laughs> that's another one that my mom watched. and We would walk into the living room and be like,
1: oh, we're out. That was, I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but uh, Like Batman and Robin was one of those that I saw in theaters as a kid and was one of my first, like, this is bad. You know, because when you're younger, you like everything. You don't care. But, like... It was, like, getting to the point where I was forming my own opinions, and, like, Batman and Robin was the first one I remember, and I think Jack Frost was the second one I remember being like, this isn't good.
0: (laughs) The one I remember, it came when I was older, and obviously I knew bad and good before that, but I wasn't heavily opinionated until I got to The Phantom Menace and my brother older brother watched it and he's like it's great it's one of the greatest Star Wars movies I've ever seen and I remember just like holding my tongue like uh, it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> uh, I think Phantom Minutes <laughs> is kind of the movie where I'm like I must say something <laughs> <laughs> so after that you know they're like no we appreciate it but if we're doing this movie it's being it's being done with Robin Williams which means he had a shit ton of power All right so as soon as he read the first script, he's like, I don't like it and I'm not doing it. So they immediately are like, get every script writer we can find. <laughs> and that's probably why this led to a crazy amount of rewrites. Or I don't even know if it was a crazy amount of rewrites. It's just a crazy amount of writers. Yeah, probably a bunch of different scripts. Yes. And they just jammed a bunch of the good thoughts together. <laughs> that's why it feels so muddled. So he also, as Sarah, he had a couple interesting choices as Jodie Foster or Michelle Pfeiffer. I can't see Jodie Foster playing this role at mm, all. Mm.
1: No, I, he probably just wanted to work with her. I mean, yeah, she's supposed I, to be great, so I, I don't blame him. But, like, yeah, I don't see her in this role. I,
0: I could see Michelle Pfeiffer doing it, but I think Bonnie Hunt was the right choice. I liked us. Bonnie Hunt. Now, according to IMDb and a lot of other things, they had a whole bunch of actresses lined up to play Sarah. But from the behind the scenes, these are only four characters, you know, other actors he mentioned, you know, Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton, Jodie Foster and and Michelle Pfeiffer. So I don't know if those trivia, I'm doing quotes, are even correct. I don't know. Maybe they are, but I couldn't find any info on it other than those sites. Mm-hmm. Once we had all the four writers came in, one of the things in this movie that are not in the book is Alan and Sarah's characters were completely made up. I don't know if that means anything. It doesn't really mean anything to me. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. I did think it was interesting that audiences loved this movie. This movie got an outrageous score from audiences. An A- minus, from um, film critic where they basically pull people after they leave the theater. So I think that's one of the best ones. Rotten Tomatoes, they show the critics, were very split on this. And Roger Ebert, which I feel just gets shit on all the time for his old reviews, he's just like, this movie's too violent for kids. <laughs> but it does go back to you say, like, this movie's real. It's got some deep stuff in it.
1: Yeah, I think this movie is definitely for kids because it, it doesn't pander to them, and yeah, it gets real. Uh, so I would disagree with Mister Ebert in saying that it's not too violent for kids. It's it's about it's 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 treating kids with the respect of of a good audience. That's
0: you know, I, I, I think it's all you can ask for. Yeah, so so we would disagree for sure. Scarlett Johansson was auditioned to play Judy, and there's actually a video of it on YouTube if you guys want to see it. If anyone wants to see little Scarlett Johansson just stumbling through her little page screen
1: <laughs> kirsten Dunst is
0: great in this movie i'm glad she got it so we'll go into like the legacy of this which this did this had a bigger legacy than i remember once i saw this movie as a kid and once i moved past the 90s i never looked back at this film even though everyone i talked to in college and beyond was just like oh i love that film
1: yeah agreed i'm, I'm with you on this one where it was like anytime i would wax nostalgic with uh uh, people in college and stuff. It would, you know, be like Space Jam and uh, what else was po- The Mummy, stuff like that. But then, Chumanji would come up, and I'm like, Ah, I like that movie. It's fine, but like, I've watched it like twice in my life, and I'm good. Like, <laughs> I never understood the the hardcore love for it.
0: This uh, movie had a board game. Immediately made my Milton Bradley. I have never played it. My girlfriend had it. She said it sucked. Okay. <laughs> And after this, we had the 1996 through 1999 animated TV series, which again, I never watched.
1: I saw episodes of, wasn't like a follower, but I remember it being around.
0: After this, many years after this, 10 years to be, 2006, PlayStation 2 came out with a game for it. It was a party game with a bunch of mini games. I remember seeing the PlayStation 2 game, but I never played it.
1: I remember the cover. Yeah, I never saw. It. I never saw anybody play it.
0: Yeah, honestly. you can watch the playthrough on YouTube. So, you let us know if it's any good. Yeah. Right. And then 2014, which I found this amazing, a board game, maybe a prop from the movie, sold for sixty thousand dollars on eBay.
1: And I had seen something. I don't know if it was this year or last year had sold for a hundred
0: thousand. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Of uh, another board game thing, and I, again, I don't know if it was a prop from the movie or something that like a, one of the prop houses made or, or whatever. A hundred thousand dollars that fucker sold for. We even we even got a sequel of sorts in two thousand five with Xanthura. With yes, which I've never seen. I've never seen either, and I don't know anyone who has
0: seen it. <laughs> if anyone out there has seen that movie, let us know what you think, because. I don't think I'll ever watch it.
1: Yeah, I don't have any desire to watch it. The only
0: way I would ever watch that is if it was for this podcast.
1: I don't think that one ever made it to VHS, so I don't think we have to. Oh, yeah, it was
0: 2006. We can't. It'd have to be a minisode, and I'm not wasting a minisode on that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Xanthura. (laughs) All right, we're going to come right back with What's Going in the Museum.
1: This is the second time i've had to reclaim
0: my property from you It belongs
1: in a museum so do you all right so this is the part of the show where we put something in the museum and the museum is every week we take something that we either really love or need to learn from that we don't love <laughs> that we put in the museum for safekeeping uh, with the other movies that we've watched so this week for the museum i'm gonna put in One particular practical effects, I'm going to put in the practical effects lion. I love the way it moved. I love the animatronic. I I just love looking at it. So props to the people who made it. It's a really cool effect. One of the the last movies I can remember that had something like
0: that. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and I think it's because I'm an 80s baby and an early 90s kid. You know, all these studios didn't have all this money for all this CG. So, I mean, they had to do whatever they could with practical And figure that out in the script. They had to be very creative. I feel like that's a problem with a lot of the CG. It made things too easy, and you could just slap it in.
1: Yeah, and slapped in is the problem with CG. It's not that it some some of it looks great, but a lot of it is slapped in, and that's really the problem. And I think this lion was a good example of something that you know may not necessarily hold up today. You can suspend your belief when you look at, but like Mm -hmm. it, it's just a really all the way, through and through, well-made animatronic.
0: Are we old men with this? You know, where they're like, back in my day, the movies were better. Yes. I mean, are they, because our kids now that are age like, well, not even kids, let's say like early 20s, if they're watching stuff, and then they watch something from the past, I would like to know the opinion of like, oh, that stuff looks totally fake. I don't think so,
1: actually. I would actually argue with that. I, I know I just started saying we sounded like old men, but, uh, I think the twenty, like the generation right under me, they it they are in the nostalgia age. They like the same shit we do. I think,
0: but if anyone out there, let us know your opinion because I think that would be incredibly interesting. Because most of my friends, I mean, you're like the youngest friend I have, and you're not even young. Thanks. <laughs> Way to shit on my life. <laughs> you're like twenty-seven. Yeah, eight? I'm twenty. I just turned twenty-eight. Yeah, that's like not well, young so... anymore. Yeah. You you lost. Fuck. It. <laughs> <laughs> Lost the
1: privilege of being young. Uh yeah, no. When do you not get here. thirty, then you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm dead inside now, so I'm in trouble
0: when I'm thirty. I love the late seventies and early eighties grit, and I had to go back and find that and I wish we had more of that. So maybe I can relate to something of like a kid growing up in the early two thousands where he looks back at some of the early nineties, maybe. The thing I'm putting in the museum is van pelt i love that character as soon as i saw him on screen doing the over acting but it's perfect this is where you do the overact right chew the scenery he gets it he knows what movie he is in and he is going for it i know and i love it i love the design of his character i love that they have the courage to immediately like he's in love with guns he's a hunter yeah. if there's any character that needs to be in love with the guns for his character to move the plot it's him and they have the courage. Because I, I was surprised when he goes to the gun shop and they do all that. They just yep. break the law, federal law, right there.
1: It's a very it's 90s great. thing. It's a 90s thing you can't get in movies today. And it's it was really, it's a fun character.
0: Yeah, love that character. Put him in the museum. Can we make a sidebar yeah. museum? Yeah. If you don't have the capability to do the CG, don't do it. Yeah yeah
1: <laughs> still today that stands today that doesn't that doesn't just go for 1995 movies
0: that goes for today I think it's great that you invented the software for that fur but it still looks bad then and now two years before this movie came out
1: special effects made us believe dinosaurs are real monkeys are real and I saw those in the movie and I was like nope <laughs> <laughs> that's that was Shakespeare right there sir <laughs> And that is my
0: stance on CG. If it's not going to look, don't do it. Just don't. So we'll move on to the other thing I want to talk about. Now, last week, we had a blast reviewing Star Wars The Last Jedi. You got to meet Ashley. Uh, We got to go out on a 9.30 show, come back here in the middle of the night and review. We had a blast. It was a great time. We did. And, you know, let us know if you guys want more stuff like that. That said... It is uh, time for the reveal next week. What have we got, Matt?
1: So we were just talking about how fun it was that we went to the movies and we came back and we did the episode right after. We're going to do it again because this week the new Jumanji is coming out <laughs> and we're going to go see it and we're going to come back and talk about it after we see it.
0: And give us that subtitle.
1: Welcome to the jungle. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to go see Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm I'm bummed that I know it's going to be a CGI fest, but as long as it's a good time, that's all I'm asking for.
0: It's got The Rock in it. He's, he's uh, the most likable man other than Will Smith.
1: I don't really like Will Smith that much. That's it. I quit <laughs> this podcast.
0: I'm done. But... I do love The Rock. How could you not love The Rock? All right, everyone. It's fun every week. But remember to be kind.
1: Rewind.
0: You may be cheating yourself. When you got this video, you paid
1: for great pictures. You also paid for great sound. Big Hollywood surround sound. Like the kind heard on Jumanji. But if you don't have the right stuff,
0: you're not hearing it. Isn't it time you got everything you paid for? (laughs) Maximum television. Only from Sony. Coming soon to television. More fun than a house full of monkeys. From Columbia TriStar, Jumanji the Animated Series, Fall 96 on UPN.